Hello and welcome back to New Paradigm Healing. This series focuses on ayahuasca assisted therapy, and our intention is to educate, inform, and support the conscious and responsible use of ayahuasca in a Western context. My name is Jessica Gooden. And my name is Lena Itzab. And in this episode, we'll be interviewing our very special guest and another integration specialist, Dean Pinon Sweet, an incredible healer who spent the last decade facilitating ayahuasca ceremonies and training others to do the same. If you want to know more about ayahuasca assisted therapy, sign up for a mailing list to be the first to know about Nina's new book launch, new episodes, and our upcoming training at avatarhealingarts.com. You can help us spread our message by following us and sharing our episodes with your friends and by joining our ayahuasca assisted therapy Facebook group. Dean, I'm so thrilled to have you here with us today. We've been talking about having you on the show for months, so welcome. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's a pleasure and an honor to be on this podcast that you two are both putting on. Thank you both. Good to meet you, Nina, and I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> yes, welcome, Dean. So good to have you. It's always nice to share, and I'm excited about this conversation today. <laughs> So before we begin, I'd like to give a brief introduction of Dean. Dean spent almost a decade studying traditional Amazonian plant medicine full-time with the Shipibo family and the Lopez Mawa lineage. During these programs, Dean is on call around the clock and has gained immense experience and skills in facilitation, enduring presence, compassionate listening, integrative counseling, and group process. And it's his observation that deep and lasting change comes from accessing and reprogramming the subconscious mind as this is where the root of trauma lives. And I know from mine and Nina's conversations that we are totally in alignment with this. So I'm so excited that we get to interview you more and learn more about your thought processes about this. So Nina, would you like to begin diving straight away? Um, thank yeah. you, Jessica. Thank you for the beautiful intro. And it's so nice to connect with you, Dean. Finally, I'm sure you know that more connections will come out of this. We really, as Jessica said, we are in a lot in alignment with what you do and what you're standing for. And I'm curious, you know, just to begin with just if you want to share a little bit about how this did you get in touch with the medicine? Like, what was your kind of calling that made you go down on this path, you know, into this depth and keep working with this beautiful medicine? So if you want to share a little bit about that. Absolutely, Nina. Thank you. When I was about, um, I was about 15, I read about ayahuasca. I was a curious teenager, I guess you could say. And to be honest, I read about it and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm probably never, ever going to do it. I didn't know that there was a tourism industry built around it. And then when I was 18, um, a very special friend of mine who was my girlfriend at the time found a shaman online. So we literally graduated high school and this was in 2004 and went to Peru just for a week, three ceremonies. And the first one was amazing, but difficult, but it was in the second one that was way more expansive that I, you know, I was really interested in meditation. I was really interested in spirituality. I was really interested in sound therapy and I was really interested in psychedelic states or altered states. And it was in that, you know, I just also, I just graduated high school. I was kind of like, oh, what am I doing with my life? And it was in that ceremony where I was like, this is it. It was, wasn't even a question. I was like, this is obviously what I want to do. So I promised myself that evening that I, when I return to Peru, it'll be indefinitely 
opportunity to to study and i was also amazed where like this literally the spiritual world opened up for the first time and i was like wait a minute these people these these jungle people they have a, a tradition of actually mapping this space out this territory out so yeah i promised myself that i would study and i did eventually get back it was about five no sorry it was about seven years later and in the interim which i, I didn't it just initially wasn't my desire to do so but it's actually at my dad's strong recommendation which i'm very thankful for now i went to university I was very blessed to go to a what I consider to be a very special university because it was a Buddhist infused university and it was started I like to call him a renegade enlightened monk or ex-monk <laughs> um, named Chogyam Trungpa and I there studied psychology because it had the most meditation in it and this became significant because now and especially in talking in terms of ayahuasca assisted therapy meditation and body-based practices and progressive forms of psychology that address the entire body and the wisdom of the cells is joining that with the world of the medicine has become a passion of mine and definitely the path the form that my path has taken so it's a good thing that that going first to university and then to the jungle university was definitely perfect <laughs> for me and more formative than i could have been aware of at the time well that sounds amazing thank you i totally can relate to that this at the beginning of the path you're like studying this and that and you're drawn to different direction and you don't even know sometimes how those things connect or make sense together and somehow you know in retrospect it all makes sense you know as you say you know looking back of having all these experiences and they all provided you with a piece of a puzzle or with a tool or with some kind of wisdom or truth that you are using now you know in your own way so tell us a little bit more about how do you incorporate all this wisdom and tools in this particular work with the medicine and how does that look like in a more like practical way like what people can imagine what is happening you know exactly when we are talking about using these tools to support this medicine work and to do this deep integration and embodiment practice sure so for me there's a there's an identifiable thread that I can weave through, you know, all of these tools and the medicine work itself, and which is comes down to the subconscious mind. And what I've learned is that it, it is the body. It's no different from the body. And the subconscious mind doesn't have a location other than you could say it's the collective intelligence of all the cells in the body. So a hallmark feature of the medicine is that it expands the conscious mind into the subconscious, which is why, you know, we can have memories come up that were repressed because they're stored in the cells. The subconscious mind remembers everything that's ever happened to us, including in the womb and arguably even previous lifetimes. So that's why with the medicine, we can have repressed memories or repressed emotions come up because it opens that boundary temporarily. And then in that expansion of consciousness, then we can resolve what was previously unresolved. So all of these other tools that I'm aware of and that I use all address the subconscious or the body in this way. And I, for me, it's one of the key differences. And it's also one of the reasons that people often say like, oh, in ceremony, they can have 10 years of psychotherapy in one night. Or also people say like, oh, you know, they might've done talk therapy and they're aware of this thing, but they can't change it, you know? Or like, oh yeah, just love yourself unconditionally. It's easy to say, not so easy to do. Or, you know, I've been aware of this habit, but I just can't, you know, I just can't seem to, to change it. And I wanna talk a little bit about, so the plants have shown me, they gave me an analogy once because like, 
One thing you see is some, sometimes people come to a retreat, their environment is different. You know, the people that they're surrounded with are different. They might receive more loving care than they're used to. Their diet, what they're eating is different. They're taking plants. So they're getting all of these different signals from their environment than they normally do. And then certain healing takes place and they think, okay, it's done. And then they go back to their original environment, which isn't necessarily sometimes as supportive and something comes back. So plants once showed me like there's a, if you think of a plant itself, you need to extract the roots. If you're going to, you know, if it's a weed and you want to take it out completely of the soil of your being, so to speak, you need to extract the roots because if you just cut it at the top, it'll grow back. So the roots for me are the subconscious programs, the beliefs that are stored in the body, in the deepest layers of the body. And so this has to be addressed. Ideally, it has to be addressed on all levels. So, you know, we're taking medicine to correct the physiology, the body, but then doing ceremony work or breath work to resolve the unresolved emotional material, but then also doing other work to change the beliefs, those layers, subconscious layers, either the beliefs or the unresolved emotional material being the most kind of essential. Yeah, how does that look like, for example, to identify an unconscious belief and then to shift it, to change it? Like, can you talk a little bit about that? How does that look like so people can imagine what is really happening? Yeah, for sure. I can. I'll just um, kind of outline some of the tools and then give some examples. So for me personally, well, I guess before I do that, there's some things that are worth talking about. One is epigenetics, which is the science that our beliefs affect our biology, that our bodies are built. The proteins that are produced by our cells are affected by the beliefs that switch on or off the genes, which determine how our body builds itself. And the other one is psychoneuroimmunology, which is the science of how the thoughts and the emotions affect the immune system and different parts of the immune system. And so the tools that I'm most familiar with are Psyche, which is a part of energy psychology. Energy psychology is a new branch of psychology that addresses the body or the subconscious mind directly to get in there a lot faster and more precisely. Previously, you know, hypnotism, hypnosis was a way of, of dealing with it, an older way. So using that in conjunction, also therapeutic breathwork, because that also gets into the cells and removes it. So, but for example, okay, living in the jungle, I had a parasitic infection, I guess, for, for a while. <laughs> Not a guess, like a <laughs> jungle in, hazard. <laughs> intestinal parasitic infection. Jungle hazard, yes. And you, one could argue that it's from exposure, but I was living with other people in the jungle that didn't necessarily have the same response, but we had the same exposure. So the plants showed me, you know, in ceremonies, there were some insights and being, it was revealed that, okay, this is for a number of reasons. One is actually overeating. Overeating was affecting the immunity of specifically of the stomach. So the stomach, like actually stretching the stomach was affecting the immunity of the stomach, which was making it more susceptible. But the other thing was that having a belief that I need to take on other people's stuff, like other people's emotions were my problem, my responsibility, other people's thoughts getting in my head. And so it was really around a solar plexus issue of like my own boundaries, boundary issue, because literally parasites is like something, you know, entering out the boundary of our being and taking over. So it's like a a physical manifestation of something that was of a parasitic energy that I was allowing into my being only parasitic because I was allowing it in not because there you know other people weren't intentionally doing that to me so then in doing that and for example seeing in ceremony how there was old emotions 
some of them mine and some of them not mine in the cells of my stomach affecting its functioning but then in breath work a lot of that releasing the blockages from that and with psyche working with installing new beliefs or programs about my worth and about you know the importance of my own needs and not taking on other people's stuff as much and also seeing the behaviors seeing the behaviors because the beliefs produce the behaviors so you know there's this work that we do at the level of like at the therapeutic level i guess whether it's with the plants or with breathwork or with psyche in session but then there's like actually identifying the behaviors and creating new behaviors through that becoming more and more aware of when my boundary was affected by when i opened it to other people's emotions to other people's thoughts um to other people's priorities and then slowly changing it over time and then as i changed it on an internal level on a subconscious level then it just so happened that i met the right people and found the right physical remedies to also address the parasites on a physical level because again the subconscious also manifests determines what we manifest in our lives so those things just happen to coincide that as it changed on a psychological level on a level of the subconscious on an emotional level, level then also the outside conditions just fell into place to address it physically whereas i tried previously to address it physically and it didn't have the same result i believe because i hadn't addressed the inner the root issue if you would like which is the, the subconscious stuff thank you <laughs> yeah yeah that's amazing. really really good way of putting it and i was just thinking i so resonate with what you're saying that my experience is that most of these unconscious programs that create this destructive behavior fall into these categories of self-sacrifice or self-sabotage, self-punishment. So, and it's so true that you can kind of track it either through the behavior, looking at the behavior and then asking, right, why I'm doing this, you know, and what are the beliefs and conscious and unconscious beliefs that are creating this behavior, or you can meditate or reflect mentally and observe mental processes and reflect on those beliefs, or you can go through with the emotions you can go with the emotion and observe the emotion and see how is it connected to to the mental and the physical so because they are all so connected and in the end as you are saying it has to happen this change on all levels that is all connected i totally agree that the root is in the mental body because the reality is created through the mind right through filtering through the mind so ultimately this uprooting that is my experience as well and I'm sure Jessica has something to it as well that is really you know going down to that to those deep unconscious beliefs that those programs that were created and probably like most of the time my experience is that it's not even created by you it's just like taken like absorbed <laughs> normally from other pulling experiences and things like that and perpetuated and my experience is that it's going to take quite a bit of time while we clear these you know go through these layers as you're saying, you know, starting to cut that plant and, and eventually uproot it. So what is your experience in terms of can you put any kind of time frame or what is your experience? Is that possible to uproot something to that extent that, okay, it's never going to show up in your life ever again? Or what is your best case scenario? And I understand people saying this, that all this, like, you know, 20 years of psychotherapy, you know, within the ceremony or within a year of integration, but at the same time, time I do have these experiences as well that things can surface even years later you know when I thought okay I totally you know dealt with this already and it's like hmm, there are more layers you know that, that we thought so yeah just putting this out there 
Yeah, it's a very good question. My experience with that is that some things can change dramatically in a short space of time and apparently be gone and other things can take time. Healing is, it's firstly, it's not up to us. At the end of the day, it's between us and the divine. In what time frame we heal certain things and what time frame other people heal certain things. And really, in some cases, it's kind of like a fruit. When a fruit is ripe on a tree, it falls effortlessly. And before, if we try and force it, this, there's a timing. Um, like nature has its, its timing and certain things take time. And like sometimes people get really dejected by how much time it's seeming to take. And I have a similar experience to what you mentioned in that it's cyclical you know it goes in waves and we do some work and then it seems to fall away and we might think it's gone and then it comes back but we have more insight and we have more understanding and maybe we catch it quicker because actually on that note this whole parasite thing that i mentioned is, is a fairly recent thing for me the whole time i was in the jungle i had parasites and in march i left the jungle and had a lot of this parasite healing um happened like in the past year and then very recently actually i was eating sushi which is not a good thing to do it was parasites um, but also in my environment, I was also um, having a moment of allowing those things into me again from other people. And I caught it quicker. I got what I felt physically, some parasite exposure from the actual sushi. But I saw, okay, why this is happening? Because I'm falling back into that old habit. And I was able to assert the boundary quicker than before, both on a physiological level by eating lots of raw garlic and oregano oil. And then also on the other level, just the recognition, that time in which we recognize coming quicker and quicker or shorter and shorter is part of it and so definitely sometimes it's cyclical and it depends on the thing i think everyone's healing journey is very unique and it's also unique to what they are healing and some of them are short projects and some of them are long projects and also i think ultimately a way i like to perceive illness is that it's a teacher and so it's only when we've fully learned the lessons all the lessons it has to teach that it will disappear and also ultimately i think that's more important the self-development and the lessons that we can learn and the self-transformation that can take place from us engaging with an illness in that way is almost more important than healing of the physical illness because as humans we have bodies and we're going to be subject to illness sooner or later even if it's at the end of life and so but self-development and this is also something the plants have been kind of imparting to me recently self-development and our choices will affect us in lives to come self-development goes beyond this life and it affects directly the life that we take hereafter. So growing, growth and personal transformation are almost, obviously they go hand in hand, but almost more important than like the actual physiological healing. I just also want to add a big inspiration for me at one point was David Hawkins, who healed himself of 22 different illnesses just with his mind and changing his subconscious beliefs. And he said, yeah, some of the, it took him two years to do ultimately the last ones, but some of them took weeks and some of them took years. And so just that it's, yeah, yeah, it's a personal journey with each person and each part of their ailment. And one last thing I want to say about that is I think it's really important to make it joyful because people can get overwhelmed with their own healing and how long it seems to take and making it joyful and making the process engaging enough and it's heavy work, but approaching it lightly so that we can have, you know, this lightness can give us more encouragement and more energy to keep going on the path. And the other thing that I find helpful in that is the root word of heal and 
whole is the same. The root, the etymological root of the word to heal and to become whole is the same. So healing, if you think of healing as becoming whole, and in my mind, we're not whole until we're enlightened. And so even if we don't have any physical ailments or psychological ailments, we're still healing as we're approaching wholeness and finding that place within us that's transcendent, that goes beyond the illness, that is beyond life and death, that also gives us fuel for the journey, which can seem, you know, insurmountable. Totally. I so agree with that. And I just want to add to what you said, because I think a lot of people can be discouraged sometimes when it seems like you are in this never-ending process and new and new things surface all the time and the intensity keeps just coming over and over again. And the question is, will it ever going to stop? And probably not in this lifetime, especially not how things look like at the moment on a planetary scale, right? Mm -hmm. So we haven't even touched on the bigger cycles and rhythms, but I really resonate with what you said at making it joyful. And it's not about really reaching some kind of end goal of, okay, now I ticked all the boxes and I did, but more about learning about yourself and learning to navigate in a more balanced and joyful way with more presence, with more ease and grace, with more confidence. All this is what is happening, all these cycles and rhythms and all these upside downs and on this journey of becoming whole and this reconnection is like I again totally aligned with that and I think it is a returning to that original state of wholeness and that's why we talk about the integration process not just in terms of the medicine but in terms of integrating or being and coming back to that state of oneness within and in unity as a human family as well so I just wanted to share that it does get easier I think you know it's just like in a way you learn to navigate better and you learn finding those moments of joy and gratitude and different perspectives so yeah if you want to add anything to that Jessica Oh, I love this. When you were talking about the epigenetics and talking about the whole as the root for health, my mind was going all over the place of like, yes, and this, yes, and this, Steve Booner, epigenetics, but, you know, like, which is really awesome and really powerful to be able to make those really rapid connections of like, yes, I'm feeling alignment with that. Yes. And then this connects to this element, which connects to this element, which connects to this element, which to me is what integrates is all about and so in this moment I was having like an embodied experience of integration of other information that I have learned on my own journey another reflection that I had is way back at the beginning we were talking about the mind and I feel like a lot of the times in, in the west there's this misconception that the mind only lives in the brain or only lives in the nervous system but if you actually look at any of the anatomical elements there's mind like or nervous system like or what I call the control system in in all parts of the body individually in the cell there's the nucleus but then throughout you've got nerve endings you have cells that are very similar to brain neurons yes in the fascia nina just sent me a little note in the chat super innervated. And then something else that I was learning is that the actual mind, I cannot remember where I read this, the actual mind of the cell is actually in the cell membrane. membrane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So for us on a larger scale, it's the skin, 
Mm-hmm. Or it would be any places where the outside meets the inside. So through our gut, through our ears, through our eyes, through our mouths, through our skin, this is how we interact with the outside world. And then that is how we can learn to adapt, learn to be flexible, learn to engage. And when we get stuck in these traumas, like in the habits of the mind, it's really just, okay, we've had this sensory input come in in before and how did we survive during that time what was the action that used to be the most appropriate for our survival so we do that and we do that and we continue to do that until something changes like we use psyche or we use breath work or we use plant medicine or we use a combination of all of these modalities to be able to integrate those processes and choose a new path which reminded me of another analogy of you walk down the street you fall in a hole and you get stuck in the hole and you're like oh my god i can't get out of this hole and so a bunch of people maybe have to help you out or somehow you get out of the hole You walk down the street, you recognize the hole and you're like, oh yeah, I fell in that hole. Well, you fall in the hole again. Oops. Second time. (laughs) You're like, ooh, shame on me. I did that again. Oops. So the third time you walk down the street, you see the hole, you watch the hole, but you go around the hole. And then you're like, oh, that was so much easier. And then the next time you just go down a different street. So there's no hole. You, You just completely avoid that situation. And that to me is kind of like this healing process of the recognition of the habits and patterns and like what you were saying with the parasite analogy of like, oh yeah, I was able to recognize this more easily. And I'm sure hopefully in the very near future, if not already happening, you're choosing a different street to walk down and different habits and patterns to, I'm not just pointing this at you, Dean. I do this too all the time. I'm like, oh yes, I chose a different street and then being able to celebrate that major success because it takes a lifetime of work and it's the celebration and the joy for me that really keeps me from getting overwhelmed and not trying to like reprogram my whole neurological pathways all at once because it's really taxing on the system so that that concludes my reflections thank you so much One, if there's anything else that you'd like to share that's come up for you from that. And then also I have one final question for you after that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that and really resonate what you said. I I would like to say one thing about it before the final question is just that if I speak for myself, you know, before getting into any of these things, I was stuck in what I can assume a lot of people are stuck in, which is just the rational cognitive mindset, thinking that this is the mind. The more I get into the wholeness of my being through the plants and these other tools, because they're addressing the wholeness of my being, the more I perceive the wholeness around me and the, you know, not just the mind mind, but the heart mind and the gut mind and the collective intelligence of the body working as a unit, then also start to see how that my body or what I perceive to be my body is made of a collection of organs of different cells coming together for different functions and seeing how then that pertains to me and my community and then humanity as a whole and then all the earthlings be they plants humans animals and so getting into the holism of it comes through getting into expanding the consciousness of thinking it to be just here in the rational cognitive mindset into the the wholeness of our being and the consciousness throughout the wholeness of our being so i think you, you put it incredibly well 
Thank you so much. Yes, I completely resonate with with the wholeness of looking at things from a global perspective or like taking the micro and seeing how that moves out into the macro and then how the macro is also reflected in the micro. So Nina, is there anything else you'd like to say before we move into the final question? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just about the wholeness, of course, like I had exactly the same experience uh, personally and with so many people, and especially I think in the West, a lot of people don't have spirituality and also like the emotional aspect is pretty shut down. And then we can talk about being disconnected from your physical body, right, as well. So as Dean, as you said, it's very mind focused, it's very logical. So that's where the energy is focused. And uh, once you start to expand that energy and look at yourself and experience yourself as a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual being, right? In every moment, that is a totally different type of experience and point of relating. And this is, you know, what we are talking about here, which is kind of hard to put in words, you know, without the actual experience. But I think we all, you know, feel the same way about it. Thank you so much, Nina, for your reflection. Okay, so final question for you, Dean. What does ayahuasca assisted therapy mean to you? So, yeah, to me, it means, you know, including all the tools that I mentioned before and some more. And it very much depends on the person. You know, obviously, we're going to treat everyone individually and what they're trying to integrate individually and cater it to those needs. But for me, it means including the plant medicine work. And that could mean more than just ceremony. That can mean ceremony. That can mean other plant treatments from the greater science of Amazonian plant medicine, because it is a large science. And a lot of times people, you know, kind of just put too much focus on the ceremonial aspect. So that could mean receiving other plant treatments, other forms of plant treatment. It might mean plant dieta, which is a entirely, it's an entire path of inscribing the plants inside of us at a very deep level. And that's a, a very large subject. So I'll just touch on that. And then including aspects of energy psychology for me personally, that's psyche or uh, the emotion code. Just for the sake of the listeners, uh, Dr. Bradley Nelson has, is an amazing doctor who has developed the emotion code and the body code, which are incredibly potent tools, energy psychology tools to address all kinds of issues. And breathwork, therapeutic breathwork, both myself and Jessica practice clarity, are trained in clarity breathwork, but there's also holotropic, transformational, there's a whole bunch of biodynamic, there's a whole bunch of therapeutic breathwork. Nina as well. Nina does clarity too. <laughs> nice. Didn't that nice little It's clarity. funny that, you that know, as so many therapists who do therapy work with the medicine, we are kind of navigate to similar tools, like almost all of us trained in breathwork, you know, and some kind of transcendental or a transpersonal psychology, right? Some, some type of inquiry, definitely mindfulness practices, body-based practices like yoga or somatic experience and things like that. So I just wanted to mention that that I find that also interesting. Funny you say that, because for me also, I was going to say body-based practices um, or body-based meditations. Meditation in the most general sense of the word, you know, I often mention meditation in terms of integration. People often think that means like they have to sit there and 
but no, it's it's whatever way is suited for them. But having a body-based practice, something they can do every day is really, I think, a key, key tool for integration. So using whatever combination of these things based on the person's individual needs, you know, and sometimes that could require more ceremony, sometimes it requires less ceremony. And then also them doing their homework, um, so to speak, and instilling new habits, changing the behaviors. But yeah, body-based practices, again, addressing the body, moving the consciousness into the body, because in, in the medicine, it's a temporary expansion of consciousness and anything that expands your consciousness temporarily, it's a cycle. It'll come up and it'll come back. Hopefully it'll come back to a little bit larger than it was initially, but having something you do on an ongoing basis, whether that's therapy or whether that's your practice or whether that's a combination of this, creates a consistent and gradual expansion of consciousness, which is a sustainable way to do it. So that when you talk about integration, then it becomes a permanent thing. It becomes the actual fabric of your consciousness. You know, it's integrated into your everyday being and you're not reliant or dependent on the medicine or eventually even the therapist, it's become integrated. It's part of who you are. And one other thing is I think also encouraging people through this embodying their bodies, embodying the wholeness of their consciousness and the different aspects of their consciousness, they start to engage with the natural world as living beings. I think this is a very important part is like also in terms of integration, expanding our viewpoint of the world that we live in. And, you know, these beings that surround us are living beings that have autonomy, that have emotions, that have preferences. So, you know, it's one thing to talk about integration in terms of our personal healing journey but it's nothing to talk about it in terms of our journey as a collective, as humanity and becoming more sustainable and harmonious with the world that we live in. I think that's an integral part of that and also comes about in my experience as a natural byproduct, especially in working with the plants closely, of healing and holding and then relating to the living world around us as a living being that deserves the respect and consideration that we would afford to other living beings. Thank you. I can totally relate to that. And I so resonate with what you're saying about the embodiment, the integration is a daily practice, is a 24-7 thing that is an ongoing thing. And it's very individual. But I get a lot of questions, a lot of people, especially from the West, asking. So I'm curious to know what is your point of view in terms of how much ceremony or medicine to do. So we're like, is there any kind of balance of what you're talking about? You have to do your own healing work. There is nothing outside of you that will replace that. And then of course, there are tools that you can use to help yourself to do that. And you can abuse those tools as well or become dependent on those tools sometimes. So would you like to share about anything maybe because that's something that comes up a lot? It's a tricky question to answer because it's highly, highly, highly individual. I would say that, well, for one thing, if anyone doing ceremony or any form of therapy, really, to be super selective about the person you choose to do it with. I can't emphasize the importance of training in this work. And I, there's a lot of people, at least that I'm aware of, that practice with little training or no training. And because it, really that's between you and your practitioner. And I think a practitioner that knows enough or has a responsible attitude is not going to just say, oh, have more more and more and more you know but also and this also depends on one's personal connection is that the medicine itself it may be if your experience goes kind of flat and whereas before it was vast there was so much happening as multi-dimensional experience kind of goes a little flat maybe it's because you haven't integrated <laughs> enough and so having a look at your experience with the medicine asking yourself really checking your motivation every time every time you drink really checking your motivation like is this becoming habitual is this sensational are you looking for teaching 
or are you looking to be entertained? And really, I mean, the real proof is, are there verifiable changes in your life that are taking place? Because often, like we talk about verification when it comes to spirit communication, the proof is in the verification. So if you have done a number of ceremonies on one specific thing and you're not really seeing the results that you want, it might be time to put that aside and try and integrate in a different way. But it's a very tricky question and it's, it's incredibly personal. And I think if you're doing the medicine in the right way and not too much and not abusing it, you'll see a natural progression in your experience of the medicine, also in yourself and your awareness changing and your habits shifting and results starting to appear. I totally agree. Thank you for sharing. Like the program I do, we do three months preparation and then there is one ceremony and the year, like 12 months integration without more medicine for that 12 months. And I follow up with people and there is huge amount of change that is taking place. So I can totally testify to that. If you're doing the integration work, there's going to be visible, touchable, long-term changes that you're going to know is in your life so you're knowing that this is you know you're doing the work that's necessary even though they in this context they are not drinking more medicine during that time which is i'm not against drinking more or anything like that this is just a framework that i am using personally but just to highlight that aspect that you were talking about that if you're doing the integration work in whatever way you choose to do and whatever way is working for you then you're gonna see visible change in your life and if you're not seeing then it's probably you know that you need to think about something you know to change something in the work that you're doing Dean, when I was watching your response, when Nina said that she has a year and three month program, your eyes got really big. <laughs> Is there a particular framework that you follow when you're helping doing your one-on-one -on -one consulting to help people through their integration processes? Not as specified as that. I mean, I my eyes got big because I really appreciate that. You know, I've been in the jungle for the last, since 2011, where people come and do immersive programs where they're drinking three times a week. A lot of the times for training purposes, but also just for healing retreats. And then following up with them integration-wise has been one-on-one -on -one and very much dependent on them, on the person. So no, I don't have a specific framework, a preset framework. I really like the approach, the less emphasis on the medicine or rather emphasis on less frequency of medicine, I think is really the most sustainable way to go. Depending on people, you know, if it's for healing, training is a different story. Learning to hold space in this way is a different story, but... Absolutely. Dean, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we close this? Yeah, one tiny thing. Tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny thing. Um... <laughs> plant work has really shown me that the emphasis and the importance of like understanding ourselves as a unique being the oak is the oak and the bamboo is the bamboo i'm, I'm borrowing from the osho tarot deck if anyone knows it and this is something they've impressed upon me again and again and again is that i need to know who i am and my way in the world in that way i'll grow and in that way i become a harmonious part of the whole not comparing myself to someone else and my path to someone else's a unique being and that's what I need to know and that's what I need to understand that's where I need to deepen so just wanting to share that message you know regardless of whether one is a healer or one is an engineer or a car mechanic or whatever one is it's all about knowing ourselves and therefore our place in the world 
Thank you so much for imparting your wisdom and your gifts and your knowledge with us today. If you'd like to learn more about Dean's extensive tools of metamorphosis, including in-person offerings of transformational retreats and master plant dietas in Europe, the United Kingdom, Australasia, South Africa, and Central and North America, and he also has online offerings of intuitive readings, psyche, clarity breathwork, and Mayan astrology. You can email him at pinonsui, and that's P-I-N-O-N-S-U-I at protonmail.com. And we've put his contact details in the episode description. Just so that the viewers know, I've been friends with Dean for almost a year and a half now. Yeah, yeah, about that. And he's one of one of my best friends, one of my dearest, closest friends. And every time we get together, we will have conversations for like three or four hours about all of the things that we've been learning. And every time I feel such an expansion and an integration in all of the things that I've been learning and such a cohesion and symbiosis or symbiotic relationship between the information that he's been learning and what I've been learning. And then also then the experiences that we've been having as we work with clients, as we work with the medicine, as we do our plant dietas and continue to grow and expand. And so it's been such a blessing for me to get to introduce you to my sister, Nina, who has also been holding a very similar space for me in different ways. So it's just been such an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jessica. I absolutely, absolutely agree. Um, it's such a blessing to have our friendship and to have met you and to walk along this path with you and to be able to experience you and benefit from your immense knowledge and connection. And Nina, I heard a lot about you from <laughs> Jessica. So I really appreciate meeting you and have the opportunity to be on this podcast. And I really appreciate the work that you two are doing and the focus and emphasis that you're putting on it of not just the medicine work, but all the other goodness that goes along with it and educating people in that way. It's really beneficial and special. So thank you. I want to just give a shout out to the rise of the feminine. So thank you both for doing your work and being soldiers. Thank you. Yeah. And the same goes for you and all the work and all the good work that you do and the word that you are spreading. And as we talked a few words before starting recording or podcast for today, that it's great, you know, to come together and to share and to, to cooperate and contribute. And I'm really enjoying, you know, this part of building this community and bringing people together and sharing all the goodness. So I'm happy to be part of it. And it was really, really nice to see you here, Dean. And I'm sure that it's it's going to happen again soon. So I think we have to stop talking now, although we could carry on for a couple of more hours. So I'm going to just <laughs> yeah, pass it to you, Jessica, to close. So we're coming to the end of our time for today. So help us grow our tribe by sharing our episodes on your platforms. It's the best compliment you can give us. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll be diving more deeply into the integration process. If you haven't already, sign up for our mailing list to stay up to date about our projects and trainings at avatarhealingarts.com and modernsacredlife.com. And remember, you are the healer and love is the medicine. Love to you all. So much love to you all. <laughs>